Good morning. I am Darrell Gunter, your host for Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM, located right here at Seton Hall University in South Orange, New Jersey. Today, we are very happy to have Dr. Margaret Benefil, author of Soul at Work, Spiritual Leadership in Organizations, and The Soul of a Leader, Finding Your Path to Success and Fulfillment as our guest in our studio today. Margaret, welcome. Thank you, Darrell. I have to say that uh, I really appreciate you interrupting your very busy schedule today to join us to share us with your insights on spiritual leadership. I'm happy to. Thank you for inviting me. I have to say that I also attended a session today where Margaret presented an academic paper to the faculty at Seton Hall, and I I learned a lot about the different structural and uh, what was the other term? The structural and... uh, Oh, the functionalist paradigm and the interpretive paradigm. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Very fascinating, fascinating. Every week we focus on the best practices of leadership and the challenges of being a leader. When I heard that you were going to lecture on the campus, I immediately asked if I could interview you for our program as it speaks to the heart of our business leaders. And I want to give a particular thank you to uh, Mike Reuter, who leads our leadership program here at Seton Hall, who introduced me to the uh, ability to have you on the program. So I want to thank Mike for that. But if you could, Margaret, could you share with our audience your background and how you developed this topic of spiritual leadership? Yes, yes. Well, it's interesting, Darrell. I started out teaching at a theological school. My background is in the field of spirituality. And I was teaching spirituality courses at a theological school. And I noticed over time that while the courses were helpful to people in their own personal spiritual development and also in their vision for ministry and how they were called to ministry, when they got out into parish settings or um, congregational settings of other denomina- various denominations, or they might have ended up as uh, chaplains in hospitals or in educational institutions. Wherever they ended up, they ran into systemic issues and organizational dysfunctionalities that they didn't know how to bring the spiritual resources to bear on. And I thought there must be ways of integrating what we know about spirituality with what is known about leadership and organizations. And at the same time that that was happening with my students, I ran into some of those same things in the institution where I was teaching, where we were going through some changes, and it seemed to me that our spiritual core as an institution was being neglected, and that the leaders didn't know how to nurture their spiritual sides. And so what was at the heart of our institution was getting eroded, and that was a source of pain to me. So my students were experiencing it. I was experiencing it. And I decided to take a leave of absence and say, okay, what can I learn about, you know, I had the background in spirituality. What can I learn about leadership and organizations and how to integrate these things? And that was about 15 years ago now. And that was a turning point for me. And You know, I came at it from the side of teaching in a theological school. To my surprise, when I started to integrate these things and offer courses and workshops and retreats, people came from all different settings, people in business, people in healthcare, people in nonprofits. I discovered that there was a real hunger for this kind of integration. 
So that one step, and you know, at the time it was a painful experience, and I'm so glad now that it happened because it took me in a direction that I'm I'm loving, and it's uh, it opened up a whole new chapter in my life. So at that point, you <clears> said it was a painful experience. You thought a door had closed, right? But in reality, a bigger door had opened, right? Absolutely, yes, yes. Yes. And I think that's often the case in leadership. You know, it's it's when there's a painful experience and when it feels like a door has closed, when it feels like we've hit a wall, those hard times reveal the fault lines in us and and force us, if at least if we're open to it, to uh, learning and growing and deepening. And so that happened to me then, and I see it happen with other people all the time. Happens Often here, it's at many <clears throat> different ways that it's through a particular crisis mm-hmm. um, that one really defines themselves mm-hmm. or they learn the most about themselves mm-hmm. in regards to mm-hmm. um, how strong they are mm-hmm. or where they might have some weaknesses mm-hmm. or where there are the opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think that's really true. Yes. And so what actually motivated you to uh, take this step? Well, you know, I think it was that uh, that pain, seeing that in my students, uh, experiencing it myself and and saying there's got to be a better way here. There's got to be a way to put together what I've learned about spirituality with what is known about leadership and organizations. And and so I, I said, I've got to get out of this situation, take a little break, get some perspective, see what I can learn. And uh, that that got me started. I think if, if it hadn't been so painful, I might have stayed and I might have never mm-hmm. gone mm-hmm. this direction. In, in, in your opinion, what are the key principles of spiritual leadership? Mm, and, yeah. I, and I know there, there are probably many, but what are the, some of the core principles mm-hmm. that you think of when, mm-hmm. you, when, you, when you speak on spiritual mm-hmm. leadership? Well, one of the main ones, I think, is uh, what we were just talking about, that experience of uh, when a door closes, when you feel like you hit a wall. Uh, what do you do with that? It's it's all about choosing the path of uh, growth and deepening um, instead of the path of closing yourself down, falling apart. And, and it's when we have those hard times that we have that opportunity to say, okay, what's the learning here? And what's the opportunity for growth and transformation? So <clears throat> I'd say the first key principle is, is be open in tough times because that's often where the greatest... Uh, the greatest, I'd say, uh, gifts, um, the greatest riches are for, for deepening, for becoming all of who you can become as a leader. And then I'd say, uh, well, in my book, Soul of a Leader, I talk about choosing the path, staying on track, and persevering to the end. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so in mm-hmm. choosing the path, it's all about 
uh, you know, when those tough times come, when those times when you're feeling like, oh, this is not quite right or it's not quite a good fit for me, how do you pay attention to your heart? How do you pay attention to that deepest part of yourself and say, okay, I'm going to follow my heart, even if it seems like I'm going in a direction that doesn't fit in with the rest of the world? And then how do I find partners who understand this path and can support me and and we can work together? And uh, then how do I dare to dream? Uh, You know, I think that's one of the most important things about choosing the path is is daring to dream, daring to look beyond um, the the boxes that our society tends to put us in. Antoine Saint-Exupéry, who wrote uh, The Little Prince, said, If you want people to build a boat, don't organize them into teams and tell them this is how you do it. Instead, teach them to long for the sea. I think that Daring to Dream is all about teaching people Mm -hmm. to long for For the the sea. sea. And as they long for the sea, they will find the path. So those are some uh, key principles to start with. And then staying on track, I think uh, one of the most important things is to keep the focus on the mission. You know, you can choose the path, the first step, and, and get excited about your mission. And then when the going gets tough, when it gets kind of boring, how do you keep that focus on the mission and not just get ground down by the day to day? Uh, realities and how do you keep that mission alive and and really operationalize it in day-to-day work do you find that a lot of corporations might have a mission but they really don't live it yes yes you know it's um, so many times uh, a corporation will go through a process of coming up with a mission statement and then it'll just sit on the shelf and nothing ever happens with it and so people become cynical about it and of course they become cynical you know and and then you know after a few years the uh, top level people say well let's do another uh, mission statement let's go through this process and and people are jaded and, and they don't want to and and it makes sense that they don't want to so I think that to have integrity, an organization, whether it's a business or healthcare, nonprofit, whatever, educational institution, needs to really take the mission seriously and ask, how do we operationalize this in day-to-day life? And then do it. And if they find that it's not working, uh, then they readjust. They say, okay, well, so we were wrong here. And there really needs to be that integrity, yes. I I find a lot of inconsistency between the mission strategy and then the tactics, Mm -hmm. often down to the employee's uh, performance review, Mm -hmm. to their objective Mm -hmm. setting, to their Mm -hmm. job description. And you you have people who are doing tasks that have nothing to do with the core business. That's right. Yes, yes. And I think another place where um, uh, this is a problem is in nonprofits that often have a very lofty mission statement and and often live it out pretty well in the world out there with other people with what they're doing. 
Then when it comes to inside the organization, how they treat people inside the organization, there's no attention paid to what the mission says about the kind of world that they believe in and how they think people should be treated. And so people burn out, and uh, the relationships within the nonprofit aren't aren't good and nurturing relationships. Mm -hmm. So that's another place where it's a problem, yeah. What, in your opinion, why is it so important that a leader have a spiritual center? You know, Darrell, leadership is a hard job. And uh, Ronald Heifetz, who's an expert in leadership, who wrote the book uh, Leadership Without Easy Answers, talks about how uh, we tend to expect our leaders to fulfill all of our hopes and dreams. And so we'll, a group of people will get a leader to come in and say, okay, this is the one. This is the one who will do it for us. And because any group of people needs to wrestle with its own issues, its own values, its own gaps between uh, the values it professes and the reality that it's living, a leader can't do that for them. So over time, the leader will uh, will fail in their eyes, and uh, they will scapegoat the leader and say, okay, throw this leader out, let's get another one. And I think that a leader needs to have that spiritual core so that he or she can stay grounded and say, what's really going on here? And help the people grapple with the things they need to grapple with, and then help them uh, move forward through working together. The leader can't do it for them. And and that means a leader who helps the people do their own work is going to get a lot of flack. And that leader, uh, if the leader is in it as a popularity contest, it's not going to work. So the leader has to be spiritually grounded. When those hard times come, uh, the leader needs to say, okay, this is an opportunity to grow and deepen. And I think that spiritual center helps the leader do that. And and someone who is focused on pleasing the people uh, or just on any outward measure of success is not going to survive in the long run and is not going to thrive as a human being. I have to agree with that. Um during uh, uh, several times during my career where I had some very difficult situations uh, to deal with and I found myself um, uh, in my in my prayer mm -hmm. to uh, pray for guidance pray mm -hmm. for help and and I would get that self-assuredness that mm -hmm. um, it was going to be okay mm -hmm. um, but always focus on what's in the best interest of the business mm -hmm. and the people you know right. you, you want to do what's right for the business what's do it what's right for your team right um, and when you can speak from that conviction right then folks i think they respond positively towards it and they see that oh he really feels strongly about this let's 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 follow him right mm -hmm. and people can see that authenticity in you mm -hmm. you know when you spend that time in prayer and you mm -hmm. get that perspective and say okay I want to do what's best for the people. I want to do what's best for the for the business. They know that's the place you're coming from. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I think you're absolutely right. And what about um, that leader who does not have a spiritual center and necessarily didn't have the, um, the education or the background or the upbringing in the church? Mm -hmm. um, have you encountered uh, someone who you've counseled who has... Uh, looking for that spiritual center is trying to find it and what advice do you give them yeah yeah i have i have met people 
who are looking for that. And and some of them have uh, have spirituality in a different way. You know, they might uh, spend time in nature and, and find their spiritual connections with God through nature, or maybe not even talk about God. Others might find their, their souls nurtured through music. So I find people who, who do get that in other ways. And I find people who are really searching, you know, who, who have said, wow, this culture is so uh, it, loud, <laughs> so um, constant. There's noise all the time. I'm expected to perform at a top level all the time. I really need some space and I need to find out what I'm about. You know, sometimes people will say, I've worked hard. I've, I've risen through the ranks. I've made a lot of money. Um, I was president of this company. And, and now what? What does it mean? You know, I, I could go start another company and make more money. I retired from this one. I could go do another one. Uh, what does it all mean? And so, yes, I, I do encounter people like that. And, and I think there's more searching out there than we realize, people who, who long for something deeper. What are the key issues that you see that a business leader must address on a day-to-day -day basis? What are the common threads that you constantly hear throughout your lectures and seminars mm -hmm. that you give? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. One is um, how to stay at the strategic level, how to stay mission-focused, because just as you said, so mm -hmm. often there's a disconnect between the mission and the strategy and then the day-to-day the -day tactics. So how to stay at that level that a leader should be at instead of uh, getting pulled into the day-to-day -day crises and fighting fires. And, and uh, so that's a big one. And that requires, I think, to do a good job, uh, spiritual groundedness, um, that ability to take the bigger view to say what's really important here. So that's a big one. Another one is how to treat people. You know, in the day-to-day -day rush of getting things done in the business world, so often people get overlooked. And especially in these tough economic times, often people are just seen as cogs in the machine. And, well, going to have to do layoffs. Okay, so we'll get rid of this batch of people. Or, um, you know, when you're looking at, uh, at how you're going to ask people to do more with less, um, there's the whole challenge of how to keep people thriving so you're not burning people out. Uh, that's huge. And then, and then if layoffs are done, one of the biggest problems in businesses is that there's not attention given to the people who are left, who are experiencing survivor guilt, who are wondering when the other shoe is going to drop, who are, um, who are expected to do more with less, and uh, they are expected to be grateful because they still have a job, and they aren't getting any help in grieving the loss of their colleagues who are gone, some of whom, you know, somebody might have worked side by side with somebody for 10, 15, 20 years. And uh, so all of that is, is the people side, and, and that's, that's a huge area. And then the question of, um, of ethics and values and how does that um, connect with or disconnect w from the bottom line, the pressure to 
um, for the next quarter's profits to be high enough so that the stakeholders, so that the shareholders will be happy. So, you know, can you look at it in terms of stakeholders, all of those stakeholders, um, and move beyond that narrow view of, okay, next quarter's profits are all that count, and we have to please the shareholders there. So the challenge of um, the the values, the big picture, the ethics, as, as opposed to that pressure to to make the next quarter's profits higher. For the, higher. For the leader who has found that spiritual center, mm -hmm. but they recognize that their next level of managers uh, or is not as equipped spiritually as they are. Mm -hmm. How do you counsel them on introducing the topic of spirituality into the, the business mm -hmm. workplace? Mm -hmm. it seems to yeah. be quite a bit of a challenge. Yes, yes, it is, it is. And yeah, that's a great question, Darrell. Um, you know, I think that there are some good role models out there. Southwest Airlines is a great one. And at Southwest Airlines, they don't talk about spirituality per se, and I think they're a great example of spirituality in the workplace in, in many, many ways. And so they talk about when they are hiring people. For one thing, they say, uh, we hire for attitude and train for skills. They say the attitude is what's most important. We're looking for people who fit our culture. And it's a culture of fun and humor and putting people first and teamwork. And so they say when we do the interviews, we look for people who are in sync with our culture. And we find that we can always train for the skills. But if we hire people for the skills and then try to change their attitudes, it's really hard. And so they are starting with people who understand what they're all about. And I think that, you know, if you get an executive who maybe has a spiritual awakening, starts to see, oh, this is how I should be running the company, and then is trying to change everybody else, that can be a real challenge. It's, you know, you can't do this uh, by edict. It it has to happen through people being open to it and, and being curious and saying, oh, you know, I really see something there. I, I want to be a part of that, too. So I think what I would say is... Um, meet people where they are, find out what their needs are. Often there is a yearning in people and they might express it in different ways and and ask them, ask them what they want, ask them, ask them what's working here, what's not working. If you could make this place anything you wanted, what would you do? And then as you start to hear from people, build on what they have to say. And people will say things like, you know, I feel like I can't be my full self here. I have to check my emotions at the door. I have to check my values at the door. And and, and then you can say to them, oh, I didn't know you felt that way. Well, let's take a look at that. And, and um, ask people what kinds of things help them thrive in the workplace. And maybe you'll find out out that if you do an off-site every so often with employees and people have some fun together and and have some time of talking about the mission and 
ask for their stories, you know, what brought them to that place originally and why have they stayed and, and say, so how does your sense of mission, personal sense of mission align with the, the business sense, the business mission and, and where is there not a connection and explore some of those things. So I think it has to start through authentic connection with people. You know, I really like what you said in regards to what Southwest does, that they hire folks with the right attitude. Mm -hmm. And there's something that we learned, I learned a long time ago, is that you have the will of an employee versus the skill of an employee. Mm -hmm. And you have someone who has the will to do it. Mm -hmm. Well, they got the intelligence and you can train them. They can get the skill. Mm -hmm. But if they have the skill, but not the will, Mm -hmm. then it's a it's a bigger mountain to climb. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) You know, civility in business is somewhat challenging. Mm. In your opinion, does this type of discourse hamper the business? Mm, Yes. You know, I think civility in our whole culture is a, is an issue right now. And that's a big topic we could, we could go into and, and in business too, you know, it's, it's part of the larger culture. And I think that when, um, people are not used to civil discourse, um, they start to uh, disrespect each other. Those those bonds between people get torn down. They get eroded. And I think that when there is civility, respect can grow. Teams can grow strong. People are more effective. There's a sense of esprit de corps. And so... So I think that it's a, it's a big area that needs to be depra- needs to be addressed, and that that uh, some businesses now are saying, well, this is how we are here. This is our culture. Uh, we expect people to respect each other, to look for the good in each other. When you're working within a team, um, have unconditional positive regard for your teammates. You know, if something goes wrong, don't immediately interpret it as uh, they're out to get me, you know. Um, and uh, there's, a, there's a little video going around the internet I saw recently called uh, How to Be Miserable. And it's um, five steps and the person presents it on the video. Um, one of them is uh, take everything personally. And uh, and uh, so she talks about, okay, so here's how you take everything personally, you know, and gives instructions, just like a presentation, a PowerPoint presentation. And, and, and so I think that there are so many habits in business and in our larger culture, too, uh, that are habits that make us miserable (laughs) and then we're not able to thrive as individuals or as teams and and uh, that lack of civility is part of that holding all of that negativity is like having an anchor tied to your waist (laughs) right that's right yes yes absolutely yes i always joke with my wife that i have a relative who loves to be angry happy to be angry and interesting enough I, I've had several conversations with that relative and and discussed that uh-huh. and, and I said you know uh, to to relish in being angry is not positive moving forward right and and I and I think it's helped I, I, I uh-huh. think that uh, this particular relative is uh, less angry and, uh-huh. and looking to be more constructive uh-huh. Great. and because uh, we do need more civility right now yes yes Yes, we do. And I think sometimes just a little step, um, 
you know, how do we respond when somebody in the office acts um, in a bullying way toward us or toward somebody else? How can we find those ways of valuing the person and at the same time saying that kind of behavior is not acceptable and calling them to be their best selves? And sometimes it's just little steps, and we can look for those opportunities to... Um, to reach below the surface, often it comes out of fear. You know, a person acts that way because of uh, fear of losing uh, dominance, losing an argument. And so to connect with that person beneath that uh, presenting, bullying mm -hmm. uh, persona and try to find those ways around that, uh, I think that that can, can make a huge difference when we can take little steps. You know, and I think that when uh, people in the workplace, they see the leader mm -hmm. who has a spiritual center uh, deal with a very adverse situation mm -hmm. in a very constructive manner, mm -hmm. that shows them that it can be done. Yes. And it also shows them what type of behavior the leader wants them to demonstrate yes. as well. Yes, yes, that's right. I think that the, the role model is hugely important. Yes, yes. Does it matter what religion one might be to develop their sense of uh, spiritual leadership? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I think that any religious tradition mm -hmm. uh, can uh, can help someone go deeper spiritually. And, and even people who don't have a particular uh, religious tradition, uh, but who want to focus on meaning and values and who find uh, ways to nurture their souls, um, I think they can be spiritual leaders as well. Excellent. Uh, we're going to have to stop here, but you're coming back for our program next week. Yes. Uh, I want to thank you, Dr. Benefil, for being with us today. This is Darrell Gunter, your host of Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM, Seton Hall University, located in the beautiful suburb of South Orange, New Jersey. Have a great week. <laughs>